Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Is there really such a thing as the offseason in the NFL? From a big draft day trade to some key free agent signings, we'll get you caught up on some of the biggest news so far. The Steelers have been busy the past few days. Who's in and who's out? Where does the team stand now? Alex Gazora of the Steelers Depot will be returning as our guest to break it down. Tis the season for madness. March madness, that is. Penn State is back at the big dance for the first time since 2011. Can they make some noise? We'll discuss. I'm Bob Anderson. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Dave Herzen. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go under review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. Hey, it's Wednesday night again. It's one of our favorite hours of the week. We're going to be talking some March Madness here in a little bit, but before we get into that, there's been a lot of madness in the any or the uh, NFL. Sorry, the new league year started today, and let's start. I guess we got a lot to talk about, boys. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers. He was on the Pat McAfee show this morning or this afternoon. Of almost a half a million people were viewing when I tuned in. Uh, he made a big announcement that he is looking to play for the Jets and the Jets only this year. What do you guys think? I think the Jets are a little bit crazy to be taking on a guy who's going to be 40 in December who's making all these demands of, oh, I want all my ex-teammates to come play with me after he complained to Packers management that you don't give me the weapons I need. Now he wants those same supposedly inferior weapons to come with him to New York. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why you want to give this guy this much power. I don't understand why NFL front offices keep doing this. I thought the Steelers did too much of this with Ben. I certainly think that Tampa Bay did too much of this with Brady, and now we're going down the same path. You can't just, you know, he, if you look at his numbers last year, he had almost a career high in interceptions. He only had 26 touchdowns. His numbers were down across the board. It's it's a normal thing. He's aging. He's almost 40. I, I just don't understand what the Jets are thinking. Uh, he's powered by ayahuasca. I mean, so it, it, the guy is, he's, he's something else. I mean, it's, you know, you think about a guy who can win games with his arm. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. I can understand why a team like the Jets would want someone that could potentially get them in a win now mode like the Rams were. But if you look at the Rams now, they're in shambles. So it's kind of one of those things it's you know it's pay me now or pay me later and I think that's what they're doing the demands that he has placed on this team are, are absolutely ridiculous you know making them wait for all this stuff it's just to me and it, and by the way the sports media world that's all they've talked about over the past week it is absolutely incredible to me how much noise has been surrounding Aaron Rodgers and us included and oh by the way before we get to our final segment uh hashtag get lost Dave Mack has sent me a listener out there sent me several times to hashtag get lost Aaron Rodgers and I agree with him I thought you were telling Dave Mack to get lost. Well, no, we don't no, want him to get lost. No, not Dave Mack get lost. Aaron uh, Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers, I saw a great tweet. This is prior to his announcement today. It said he's he plays for the Packers. He's the GM of the Jets, and he owns the Bears. Uh, all true. <laughs> right. But I will say, you know, he's going to put that team, to me, over the edge. I know the baggage, you know, that he brings is a pain in the butt. But they're a darn good team. And I think that this puts them right up there with the Bills and the Chiefs as the top of the uh, of the AFC teams this year heading into the season. 
And I know what the personal thing is. I don't care for him, you know. Oh, that's got nothing to do with that. I mean, he's a good player. He was a good player. I'm not convinced he's still a good player, and I guess we'll see this year. I mean, if they bring in all these old free agents, I mean, Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb hasn't been a good receiver in a long time. They don't need receivers. You know, he wants out Cobb, Lazard, Lewis, and Odell Beckham Jr. When's the last time Beckham Jr. did anything? Well, he has a first-round receiver, Garrett Wilson. He has Elijah Moore and Alan Lazard. I mean, they're and then Brees Hall will be coming back from injury. They're going to be, like I said, they're yeah. going to be stacked. And he's got he's got that defense as well. I, I mean, they're that's a team that's obviously going to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. But it's you think about these teams. Do they look like a team that could beat Kansas City? Do they look like a team that could beat Cincinnati? I, I don't see it. I I think they remind me a lot of the Bills. The Bills, I mean, Josh Allen looks great, but he makes a lot of mistakes. Aaron Rodgers, he's he's not getting better. I, I just I don't I really don't see why they're they're chasing him as much as they are. And again, he's going to New York. It's going to be a circus. Well, I can tell you why, because they're uh what second pick overall didn't pan out. No, uh, yeah. You I know. Mean, it's it's a it's a move that, you know, from New York's perspective. I understand it puts, you know, puts eyeballs on them. who's cared about the Jets for 20 years, right? So I, I get it. At least we're talking about the Jets and there's no such thing as bad publicity, right, from an ownership perspective. But I just don't think it's going to work out. I disagree with you. I, first of all, I'm not sure they'll make the playoffs with him at all, and not in that division. And second of all, even if they do, I can't see it. He's not any – he was, even two years ago, he was in that class with the elites. But I don't see him matching up with a Mahomes or a Burrow or anybody like that. Well, I will say that I did predict him going to the Jets. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, yeah, you definitely – you were all over that. that. (laughs) Lucky guess. Well, tell you – Probably better uh, in my March Madness bracket, by the way. Mine, too. One funny side note, Taron Rogers. One of my – one of the things I got pointed out to from a listener uh, mentioned to me that uh, on Pat McAfee, on Joe Rogan, he's always banging on Big Pharma, talking about how Johnson and Johnson and Moderna and Pfizer, he's against the vaccine. Well, the best part, the best part of it is, is Woody Johnson owns, he's the heir of Johnson and Johnson. He's the owner of the Jets. So I find that amusing that he was criticizing Johnson and Johnson and now he's going to play for the heir to Johnson and Johnson. Just a you know, little bit of information there. Right. One thing, I have to say this, whatever happens with that, and I do think they can work that out, I, I predict this will end badly. It might not. It might be fine this year, but I think, I just can't see this being a good thing for the franchise or for him long term. Well, let's talk about another franchise that made a big move. That was the Carolina Panthers moving up from nine all the way up to number one to seemingly draft their, whoever they decide is the best quarterback in this draft. They had to give up a haul to get there, though couple first rounders, couple second rounders, DJ Moore. Did you guys like the deal? I did for Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Chicago made an absolutely stunningly good deal here and I didn't think that fran- that franchise had it in them, especially after the really poor deal I thought they made with the Steelers. Um yeah, I, I I don't know why you wouldn't make that deal. I don't see that they really lost anything moving from one to nine. They're 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 committed to their quarterback, and uh, that's exactly the sort of deal I think more teams need to make. Because I said last week, I look at lottery at, at uh, draft picks as lottery tickets, and the more you have, the more chance you have to hit the the big one. And now they've got a whole handful of these lottery picks. Meanwhile, Carolina. You better hit that pick. I mean, he better be a franchise guy, or this is really going to set them back. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, you look at now Rodgers leaving the NFC North. The NFC North's open. You got the Lions. Who That's never, the team. Yeah. I mean, you got you got the Vikings. I mean, 
right now, the Bears, though, maybe not next year, but they're going to be positioned for a number of years solely because of this trade. But again, it, it speaks to the importance of having your guy at quarterback. If they hit with the number one pick, Carolina is immediately relevant. Look at Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. If you get your guy and he does well, then it's all worth it because a good quarterback outweighs everything in the NFL. I Hopefully they, they get their guy. I mean, look what happened with the Jets. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, they must really like some one of these quarterbacks, or maybe they don't have it figured out yet, but they must like a couple of them anyhow. And uh, maybe we can even ask. It, it has to be one that. guy or they would have maybe gone to second or third. You know, if you're moving to number one, it's like there's this one guy and we can't let him get away. Well, and, you know, the Texans are going to take a quarterback at number two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they don't get up to number one, then they're getting a third best quarterback right. seemingly. So. Uh, but there's a lot of Steeler news, too, to get to, guys. Uh, they've been active here the last couple of days. Cam Sutton's out. Patrick Peterson, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer, is in. Love it. Yeah, well, so what do you guys think of what the Steelers have done? What was your favorite move? Maybe what did you question? Well, I, I mean, look, I, I've always been a Peterson guy. I do think that he brings, you know, I'm not a huge, quote-unquote, veteran leadership guy. This is kind of an older team as it is, especially on defense. But I think he brings something. The thing that worries me with Peterson is he is much better at this stage of his career in zone coverage than man coverage. That that kind of has proven out, you know, through the numbers. And when he went to Minnesota, that was more of a zone scheme. Pittsburgh's been running more man-to-man. Can he still handle that? Can, can you put him locked up one-on-one with the receiver, or is he now more of a slot number three corner? Which, by the way, if he ends up being that, he might be a darn good number three corner, but I'm not sure if he's ready to be a number one or number two anymore. Yeah, you're right. He's much better in zone. He had five interceptions this year playing that zone. Uh, so you know, I, I, don't, I really don't see – and they got him for, what, two years? Yeah. So, it's basically a one-year deal. Yeah, and they can decide and, and that's after fine. This year. If they use them right, I think it can be a really, really good pickup. And I, what I like is if they do bring in a corner, you've said about veteran leadership, you know, I guess he's a real good locker room presence. He's been that way in every stop he's ever been in his career. So I think if they bring in that corner that they're looking for at pick 17, maybe there's a guy that could mentor him. And I think that's where they're looking. I think this is a short-term fix only. Oh, I wanted them to pick up, or I wanted them to re-sign Cam Sutton. You know, I think he was a good player. Unfortunately, you know, he's wanted a little bit more than, or the Lions were willing to pay a little bit more than the Steelers were. I think Patrick Peterson is a good maybe one-year stopgap. To me, this means they have to go corner probably with one of the first three picks that they have. It's a deep corner draft, and I know Alex Cazorra probably can tell us a little bit more about some of those guys out there. How about Larry Ogunjobi? Did you guys like that deal? I'm okay with it. I guess, I mean, they had, they, they were in real trouble if they didn't retain him. I, I said before, I thought defensive line was a real problem for them. This makes it a little bit less of a problem, but, you know, he was really banged up last year. And if you look at that contract, it's extremely front-loaded. And with their cap situation, I was a little bit surprised at that. But that tells me that the team really has a lot of faith that his injuries are going to heal up and that he'll be available next year. Because if he's not, if he's if he misses time, it's really going to probably put them in a bind. Um, yeah, one thing I've actually liked, the Ogunjobi signing, I, I thought that was great, but they've they've addressed every need so far. They've really done a nice job finding guys out there. So, I mean, some of these guys I hadn't really even been, I didn't hear any of the writers talking about them. Like today, Cole Holcomb, right, yeah, I'm from just the Commanders. Now, yeah. right? You read about this guy, he had a foot injury last year. Frankly, I wasn't paying attention to the Washington Commanders. I guess this guy's supposed to be something else, and they got him for a little bit of nothing. Yeah, so, and that's kind and that, of a Kevin Colbert 
um, you know, holdover kind of thing. You know, that's what he would like to do. It doesn't pigeonhole you into absolutely needing one position in the draft. You can kind of pick one of the better players. You don't have to take one of the, you know, one of the corners with the first pick. But uh, that's something that we can talk to Alex Kazora about here as we uh, continue our under review sports talk. Stay on the line or stay with us here. Alex Kazora will be our uh, guest here in just a second. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-631-8191. 800-631-8191. That's 800-631-8191. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy, so we show them how, and we tell them, with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids need to know the dangers and how to avoid them. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids, because when you talk, they hear you. Fact! Small businesses generate $68 of local economic return for every $100 spent with them. Fact! Small businesses donate 250% more than large businesses to community causes. Fact! 65% of American shopping budgets are still spent in-store, and 61% shop at local businesses because of their unique products. Plus, small businesses employ almost 60 million people, and 56% of workers at locally owned businesses have high commitment scores. What do all those numbers mean that shopping small and shopping local benefits you and our community and that's the fact so shop local businesses today like the day spa dubois our area's premier salon and spa company junk dealer's daughter curated antique and vintage decor and dubois.bigdeals.com Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. It's our pleasure now to welcome back Alex Kazora from the Steelers Depot. We got a lot to talk about with you, Alex. How you doing? You keeping up with all the news? Trying to keep up. It's been a very busy couple of days, but appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, it's great to have you back. So I think most Steelers fans kind of assumed Cam Sutton would be back. Um, do you think they should have offered them the same deal that the Lions did, or do you like the move to Patrick Peterson as the pivot? Well, I think it, it was a surprise to see Sutton leave. I thought he would end up staying based on the value and the versatility he brought to Pittsburgh. I think it is a downgrade to go from Sutton to Peterson. Peterson certainly has, you know, attractive talent and qualities, but he's a guy 
exiting his prime, and Sutton, I think, is, is squarely right in his prime. But it is a, a decent consolation prize. He's a guy that's not as flexible, not as versatile, can't really play in the slot, not going to be part of those you know post-snap rotations that Sutton was was really uh, good at that benefited Minkovitz Patrick in the Steelers' defense. But you know Peterson's still a smart guy, going to be a good mentor, um, works better in, in zone coverage than man, so we'll see exactly how that fits in Pittsburgh's more man-heavy system. But he's still got ball skills still has experience and he's going to lean on that quite a bit. So, you know, I guess they just didn't want to pay that price for Sutton, unfortunate, but they do at least kind of have a a decent uh, landing spot there by bringing in a guy like Patrick Peterson. Now, do you think that cornerback is their top need in the draft? And at number 17, I'm wondering if the top three corners are off the draft. Do you like Deontay Banks there or is that too high for him? Yeah, I think in terms of the top need, you know, I'll let the rest of the offseason play out in terms of who all they add and who they re-sign. Still some question marks there, but I think it's certainly up there. They're going to draft a cornerback and draft one pretty early because there isn't going to be that, that long-term number one type corner uh, on the roster right now, but there's also inside linebacker, defensive line, potentially offensive tackle to consider. If those top corners are gone, you know, would Deontay Banks be a candidate? Potentially, I like more 32-49. I think he's an athletic guy. He's got size. He's physical. Um, you know, and plays the ball well in the air, but is he a great man coverage corner who can turn his hips and run and defend some of the intermediate type routes? I think on tape, I see a bit of that stiffness. He's a bit more straight line, kind of ideal in a cover three system, but it's still a really strong class. So if it's not a Joey Porter Jr. or somebody like that, you do up banks. I'm a big fan of Julius Brents from Kansas State. He had a great senior bowl week in combine workout. There's Darius Rush from South Carolina, also Cam Smith from South Carolina. Um, so there's going to be options there for Pittsburgh, even if they can't get a corner at 17. Uh, looking at some of the move, the other moves they've made, I guess I have a couple questions. The first is, uh, you know, they signed Cole Holcomb today, and you had mentioned inside linebackers potentially still a need. Obviously, Spillane left to, to Vegas as well, and and I don't think they're going to bring Bush back, of course. Uh, how how do you see Holcomb really as an upgrade over what we had? I think it's a different skill set. I think in some levels it's similar to Spillane in that heady veteran-type guy, and that's what Spillane was, and that's what Holcomb has been. You know, he's experienced and still pretty young, about to turn 27. He's far more athletic and I think a bit better in coverage overall than Spillane is, and he's not quite as strong and downhill against the run. Holcomb's more um, apt to getting swallowed up and engulfed by some of these, you know, second-level blocks by centers and guards, Spillane. His calling card was playing more downhill. But I think, generally speaking, it's trying to be that Spillane replacement with hopefully more athleticism. We'll see about the inside linebacker. I just think at some point you got to draft a guy. I know they've had misses in the draft, too, but they have gone down this veteran free agent road at inside linebacker before with so many names. Mark Barrer and John Bostick trading for Avery Williamson and Joe Schobert and signing Miles Jack last year. At some point, home grow this thing. Pittsburgh always preaches we build through the draft. We build through the draft. They've not done much to try to build through the draft. Um, post Ryan Chazier had to miss on Devin Bush, obviously, but I think at some point you got to set your sights on inside linebacker through the draft. So hopefully they can come away with a a Jack Campbell or somebody like that within the top three picks. I I agree with you on that. I do think they need to to draft an inside linebacker here in the near future. The other question I had for you real quick, they've made so many moves here in a short period of time. I haven't really had time to analyze the cap ramifications. Uh, they've got to be pushing the limit here. And does that mean they're going to have to do some restructuring, maybe even some release some more players to make this work? Yeah, both are on the table. We don't have exact 
a cap number uh, that's up to date because we don't know some of the numbers on deals of, say, DeMonte Casey. don't know exactly the number and maybe some of the contract details on a Cole Holcomb. So Dave Bryan at Seals Depot is, is the cap guy. But, you know, at last check, Pittsburgh was basically right up against the cap. So something's going to happen at some point. I think it's probably more likely to restructure than a cut, but I can't rule out Nikella Witherspoon getting released. And even, I guess, theoretically, uh, you could say the same about Miles Jack. So, yeah, they're going to have to create space. They, at some point, will restructure T.J. Watt and likely make it Patrick. It's really more a question of when, not a question of if. But you saw them not tender any of their restricted regions today, and the cap may have had something to do with that. Yeah, I'm sure, Alex, that uh, most Steelers fans are going to be curious as to what's going on with the uh, Lamar Jackson contract situation. You were talking about numbers and contracts. What are your thoughts on that situation? Do you think he signs with the Ravens, or do you think he finds a soft landing maybe in Atlanta or Indy or someplace else? If I had to guess, and we're all kind of guessing right now, I think he ends up and stays in Baltimore and will be their week one quarterback in 2023. The path in journey to get there i'm a little less clear on i have to think guys that at some point some team is going to try to make a run at jackson how could you not even you know attempt that and just you know totally sit on the sidelines as this guy that you know this type of quarterback who rarely if ever becomes available on the market is sitting there granted at a pretty high price tag but i think at some point you know the colts are going to come in i think maybe atlanta could eventually come back in i just can't believe that all these teams last year were in on deshaun watson despite the looming suspension, despite the PR nightmare that that was going to create and did create for the Cleveland Browns, and all of a sudden everybody's all out on Lamar Jackson. But I think, you know, Baltimore still holds the cards here. They can match any sort of offer that comes in. They put the non-exclusive tag on Lamar to be able to really have this case study of, okay, Lamar, this is going to be your market value. The NFL will tell you how much you're worth. I think Baltimore will be prepared to match any even semi-reasonable type of offer. So I think there will be interest at some point. Colts, some rumors about Indy maybe getting in. I think it makes a lot of sense, but I think push comes to shove. Lamar stays in Baltimore. Uh, Alex, a little bit of a fun question here for you. One thing I know about Steelers fans, they love nicknames of their players. Uh, which nickname do you think is going to stick to Nate Herbig? Nasty Nate or Big Island? <laughs> I hope Nasty Herb. I like that one. I think that's what Pittsburgh wants to be. I think when you see that Nate Herbig signing and, and some of the other things they've done this offseason, you're kind of seeing the direction this team wants to carry, an extension of 2022 where they won by being physical, by running the ball, by controlling time of possession, by keeping scores down. And Herbig, he's not a perfect free agent, but he is nasty, he's physical, he runs his feet, um, and he's a guy that's going to make a lot of defensive linemen pretty mad because he can kind of – uh, set the tone early with, with the way he finished his blocks. And so, um, you know, I, I think he'll be the, the starting left guard this year. He can challenge Kevin Dotson. I imagine Pittsburgh will present that as a challenge and a battle. I think it's Herbig's job to lose right now. But you see him being signed. You see some of the pre-draft visits with some big physical people movers. They won Jones, Ohio State, Osiris Torrance in Florida. John Michael Schmitz is coming in from Minnesota. Um, even on the, on the other side of the football, Jervon Dexter, defensive lineman from Florida. These are big people. Um, these are good athletes, and so that's what Pittsburgh wants, and I think that's the uh, general course this team is taking. Boy, and I love to hear that. Uh, Alex Cazora right now is our guest from the Steelers Depot. Um, you mentioned some big people, and um, I got a couple names that I wanted to throw at you to just get your take on them. A couple of big linemen tackles, Anton Harrison and Matthew Bergeron. Uh, what can you tell us about them, and do you have a preference for one over the other? 
Yeah, I think I might lean Harrison right now. They're kind of in that Tier 2 category of those next tackles after you get past the Tier 1 of Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. And I think teams more or less view Peter Skaronski as a guard in the tackle, but he's going to be off the board before those other guys come. So, you know, that Bergeron had a good combine workout, good feed. He's, he's another nasty, you know, kind of mauler. Some people thought he might play at guard. I think he has the size to stay at tackle. Um, Harrison's a pretty long dude overall, so... You know, you're going to put those guys in the same bucket as your day one Jones, even Darnell Wright from Tennessee, um, guys that won't be in consideration at 17, but 32, top of the second round, uh, we'll be talking about. So um, I think that's when that conversation opens up about those things. I think right now they might be leaning more Wright and Jones over Harrison, Bergeron, um, but, you know, those guys are, are certainly going to be into consideration. Um, switching back a little bit to the free agency thing, and it's so funny we're trying to balance, you know, draft talk and the, and what's going on in free agency. As you look around the league, can you pick one signing that you think, wow, that's really great value, and one signing that really makes you scratch your head and wonder what the team was thinking? Across the league, you're asking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to process it. I think one on on Monday, the the first day, of legal tampering. It's not. You know, a major one, I guess, but Josh Oliver to Minnesota at three years, 21 million, just kind of felt like a lot for a blocking tight end. And with a good tight end class this year, really a historically good tight end class, you kind of wonder why those prices were inflated there. I thought the inside linebacker market across the board was pretty reasonable. I thought TJ Edwards was assigned to a really, you know, cheap deal for Chicago. Then they go ahead and take their big swing and add Tremaine Edmonds. But I think just across the board, whether you're talking David Long to Miami for, I think, two years, 11 million, Edwards was not that much above that. Um, I think some of the softball linebackers came in a bit cheaper than I thought. thought Pittsburgh might be able to play a little bit more there than, than what ultimately they did. Of course, they get Holcomb. So I thought that market was a bit softer than I expected. What about the Jets uh, deal, or Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets? We were debating that in the first segment. I think it makes them one of the top-tier teams in the AFC. My uh, cohorts over here are a little less maybe uh, convinced. What do you think, Alex? Well, it's fun to watch it from afar. It's like a car crash. You're not in it, and you kind of just sit back and say, what's going on? And I'm glad that I'm not directly involved and just kind of watch this whole thing unfold. You know, we'll see how it goes. I, I think I think it's a move the Jets had to make, though. I mean, they are so quarterback-starved for not just this year, but for the since Joe Namath, essentially, it feels like. And so you got to get that guy that got a good defense. I mean, Robert Sala has to be feeling the pressure. You're in that media uh, cycle. You know, the Jets kind of collapsed the back half of last year. They have a good defense right now. The AFC East is not up for, for, for grabs, but you know they can make a run at this thing. And you're in an AFC with so many talented quarterbacks overall, including Josh Allen in the East. So I understand it. My question with Rodgers is just always, how long do you have him for? Is it one year, two years? You have no idea. So you're, you're making this risk. You're taking the investment, and you're, you're going year to year not knowing when he's going to retire. He said he was 90% sure he was going to retire uh, you know, when, before he went to his darkness retreat. So you know, do you have him for just one year, two years, four years? No idea. That's uncertainty. That's uncomfortable. But I think you had to go all in uh, just given the position the Jets were in. All right, Alex. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on again. We'll be in touch again soon. We thank you for the time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Gain a fresh perspective on investing with national and local award-winning guardian planners. Listen to Sound Money Management Tuesday mornings at 8.35 featuring Chuck Johnson. Check out Chuckonomics at guardianplanners.com. I don't even recognize myself anymore. 
I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever. Hey, look, I, I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I, I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain. They know what you're going through. This has to stop. I, I'm losing everything. Everyone. You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help. It's time. I can do this. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment. Call Quit Drugs 321 now. 800-324-1524. 800-324-1524. That's 800-324-1524. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Young or old, black or white, or anything in between. From employees to entrepreneurs, doctors to detectives, some things define us and set us apart, but there's one thing that binds us. Before anything, we are one thing. Born to be Americans, proud to be Americans. Our United States are our united fates. Know your constitution. Unity, it's an American thing. From AmericanThing.org. Hi, and welcome to the local youth sports beat on Connect FM. I'm Dan Kennard. We're going to start with basketball. The PIAA tournament is going on into the second round. We're going to back it up a little bit and take a look at first round action for District 9 teams. First of all, for Class A boys, four teams from District 9 there. In round one, it was the Dubois Central Catholic Cardinals falling to Harmony by a 70-58 to score. And Dubois Central Catholic eliminated in that game. Elk County Catholic defeated Neighborhood Academy 67-47, to advancing for District 9. Also, Union advancing for District 9 with a 64 to 28 win over Turkey Foot Valley. Again, this is round one of the PIAA basketball playoffs. And also Cameron County, the fourth District 9 team represented. They upended Portage 50 to 28 to advance. In AA action, Otto Eldred, a 66 to 54 winner over Greensburg Central Catholic in the first round. And uh, a thrilling overtime win for the Brookville Raiders in AAA boys action over Seton LaSalle to advance. It's uh, in the 4A division. Clearfield fell to Laurel Highlands 82-59. The Bison eliminated with that loss. And Dubois Beavers uh, also getting eliminated in round one of the PIAA playoffs a 63-20 loss to Penn Hills. On the girls' side of things, in single A was Elk County Catholic advancing to the second round with a 50-27 win over Northern Bedford. And the Lady Cardinals of Dubois Central Catholic got their first PIAA playoff win in 24 years. It was a 64-21 decision over Jamestown. Also advancing Otto Eldred with a 57-30 win over Manesson. In double A girls, Red Bank Valley moved on with a 63-36 win over Sarah Catholic. 
The Punxsutawney Lady Chucks eliminated from PIAA tournament play, uh, falling to knock 53-44. to Now we move into the second round of the PIAA Basketball Championships. And last night, four District 9 teams were eliminated. In Class uh, 1A boys action, Imani Christian upended Union 80-48. to So Union finishes the season with a 15-13 and record. Also, Union of Newcastle defeated Cameron County out of District 9, 51-37. Cameron County's season record ends at 18-9. Elk County Catholic got outshot 49-44 by Carlinton out of District 7. Carlinton had a 10-point run starting the fourth quarter and erased a 13-point Elk County Catholic lead. So the Crusaders finished the season with a 26-3 record. And the Red Bank Valley girls also eliminated out of District 9 participants in the PIAA championships. Bishop McCord with a 62-48 win over Red Bank Valley last Last night. Coming up tonight, it's again the second round of the PIAA Basketball Championships in Class AA. It will be Otto Eldred of District 9 taking on Sarah Catholic. That game being played at Dubois High School. Class AAA, it's going to be the Brookville Raiders taking on Nishanik. That game being played at Penn West Clarion's Tippin Gymnasium this evening. In girls games, it's uh, Elk County Catholic facing Union of Newcastle. That game is this evening at Penn West Clarion. The Lady Cardinals of Dubois Central Catholic will get a shot at Williamsburg. Game being played at Bald Eagle High School. And it's uh, Otto Eldred with a game against Bishop Guilfoyle. That is taking place at the Dubois High School this evening. Checking up on high school wrestling and the PIAA wrestling championships were in Hershey last Thursday through Saturday. Ten wrestlers represented AA schools from District 9. Half of them brought home a medal. St. Mary's had four wrestlers at States. Brockway, Brookville, and Clearfield each had two participants. Both Brockway Rovers at Hershey earned a medal. Weston Pasarchik claimed the third place bronze medal at 114 pounds. And Gavin Thompson was a fifth place finisher at 280. The highest finish for a District 9 wrestler overall was second place. And grabbing that silver medal in the 189-pound weight class was Jackson Zimmerman of Brookville. Clearfield's Brady Collins grappled his way to a fourth-place medal at 139 pounds. And for St. Mary's, it was Waylon Weller, the bronze medalist, at 172 pounds. The three AAA division school wrestlers representing Dubois and Punxsutawney at the PIAA Championships did not medal at this year's event. District 9 swimmers from Dubois, Brookville, Clearfield, and St. Mary's are participating in the PIAA Championships at Bucknell University today. One of them, Patrick Young, a student from North Clarion but who swims for Brookville, is coming off a 100-meter butterfly record at the District 9 tournament. And that's a look at the local youth sports beat. I'm Dan Kennard for Connect FM. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. It's time to... 
talk uh, NCAA basketball here. It's March Madness season, which means all of us are going to be making predictions and getting a lot of games wrong here. But hey, that's the fun of it, right? Uh, but what's fun this year, too, is that we have some local teams going to the big dance. Pitt survived last night. Penn State will be playing tomorrow. Gentlemen, Penn State had a great weekend. Just came up, you know, a couple points short there. One basket short at the end. Uh, do you think that they can make a run here in the in the tournament? I don't really think they can make a deep run. I think they could win a game, maybe two. But, you know, honestly, for that program, just to get to this point and to have the month they've had, I mean, they were in real trouble a month ago. It looked like, you know, they, they might be a 500 team, but they've only lost two games in the last month. One of them was the only game I attended all year. They were ahead by 20 against Rutgers and blew that. And I'll be honest, not really paying attention, I went to that game and saw them blow that. I'm like, oh, this team's the same old Penn State, you know, not realizing that they wouldn't lose another game until that Purdue game. Um, it seems like, and D, you can speak to this a little bit, every game they play, win or lose, comes down to that last bucket, it seems like. I mean, and, and they, blown, they blew some big leads and survived, and then they got way behind against Purdue and almost pulled it off. They, they're, they're cardiac kids. They really are. They are a really fun team to watch. When this team can shoot the basketball, they can contend with anybody in, in the country. Anyone who's out there listening, if you haven't watched Penn State basketball recently, it's not what you think it is. They look like the Golden State Warriors. They have four legitimate three-point shooters. They can shoot from behind the arc. Um, the, the formula is simple for them. Pickett backs people down. He bullies people in the paint. And if they double them, he kicks it out. Uh, Andrew Funk, Seth Lundy, these boys can shoot it, and it's really fun to watch them. Uh, unfortunately, they got that 10 seed. I was hoping for a 9 seed. That would have been a little bit of an easier path for them. They're going to face Texas A&M, who's actually playing really well. And then they also face Texas if they beat Texas A&M. It doesn't really bode well for a deep run, but it is nice for this program to actually be back in the big dance. It's been, what, 12 years for them, so it's, it's nice to see. And, and, and to this seeding, and, and I really wanted to talk about this seeding thing a little bit, if I could. You know, they went on this long run. They've been really hot at the end of the year. I thought once they beat Illinois, they deserved a 10 seed. And then they won and they won and they almost beat Purdue. And I thought, okay, they should. I thought they'd get a seven, maybe a six, but it's certainly into the eight, nine game. And for them to get a 10, I thought was pretty disrespectful, especially when you look at the way the Big Ten standings were. You had Purdue. Purdue was very clearly the best team. You know, they got a one seed and they deserved that. Nope, all, all credit to them. After that, you could have thrown a hat over the standings for the next seven or eight teams. And some of the seeding decisions just didn't make any sense to me. Penn State beat the tar out of Indiana at our place about a month ago, and then we beat them again in the tournament, and they got a four, and we get a 10, and we beat Illinois twice, and they're seeded higher, and we beat Northwestern twice, and they're seeded higher. And I'm like, doesn't, don't these, doesn't that matter? It used to be that those kind of things mattered more. Slow down. I'm trying to fix my bracket while you're saying this. So Penn State, they, you know, they got this 10 seed. They play the Aggies. I was reading a little bit about the Aggies. They're a tough physical team from what I'm seeing. They don't shoot the ball that great, not, not compared to Penn State, but they are going to play a very tough style of game from what I was seeing. Uh, Penn State, by the way, made 364 three-pointers in 35 games this year. Uh, the school that's a school record it's one short of the big 10 record that Purdue set uh, in 2018 and 2019 um, let's branch out to the larger tournament uh, what about Pitt and what do you guys think who's going to win this thing in the end 
Well, I, Pitt last night, I watched that game. Uh, they don't look that impressive. What's funny is, though, Pitt fans are a very fickle bunch. They're they're really living in the past as it relates to their program. They had a lot of success in the you know when when uh, Jamie Jamie Dixon was there. They haven't done anything in a very long time, and Capel's got that program humming, and they're still complaining. They're they're begging for Coach Calipari to come, which he's not coming to Pitt. But I just I don't see them doing much in the dance either. If you watch them. They, they're, they're a sloppy team. They turn the ball over. I just don't see them doing much. Uh, Frank, who are they playing in the? Uh, they play Iowa State. Um, yeah, they play Iowa State. So yeah, I don't I don't see them beating Iowa State at all. Well, they were fortunate to even get in. I mean, they were you know doing the play in. They were one of the last four in. If there had been a couple other upsets in these tournaments running up, they would have been knocked out. And you know, ironically, and my son's my stepson's a big Pitt fan. They were really close to winning the regular season. ACC title but then they really stumbled down the stretch and yeah I just don't trust them either I, I'm kind of with D on that so I picked Alabama to win this thing I mean that's probably chalk right but uh you know they played in the toughest conference they have one of the you know best players in the league in Brandon Miller um nobody really got within double digits of them in the um in the SEC tournament so I like the tide to win uh Purdue has a tough road I was looking at and uh, look out for Duke. I have them going to the Final Four. They're a five seed. They're a young team, a freshman team, but uh, they look pretty, pretty stout too. Can I, I? We have to talk a little bit about Purdue. I mean, I hadn't really watched them very closely until this weekend. That center they have, Zach Eady, seven foot four. Penn, uh, Penn State was triple teaming him, and it looked like gnats. You know, just trying to, and he would just turn around, and I. It's going to be really hard for a team to stop them because if you collapse on him, they were able to, when, when they were making their shots from the outside, they were almost impossible to stop there for a while. Um, and, and speaking of this Edie kid, my understanding from watching the broadcast, he didn't start playing until 10th grade. He didn't. I, you want to talk about somebody who might be a really good pro. Cause if you see his development and, and seven foot four and strong and agile, did you see him mm-hmm. defending in the post? Yep. I mean, this kid looks like he's going to be pretty good. I, I know they have a bit of a tougher road than some of the other ones, but don't sleep on Purdue. And this is, I always love it this time of year because you get to find out which conferences are really any good. You know, the Big Ten, they beat each other up so much that everybody but Purdue got kind of lower seeds. The other ones had a little more stratification where, you know, the cream kind of rose to the top. Is that is that beating each other up in the Big Ten going to make them stronger and, and push more Big Ten people? Or, or are they just all going to collapse because they're lower seeds well yeah you mentioned Edie. one little nice bit of information maybe listeners out there aren't aware of micah shrewsbury was an assistant at purdue uh, uh under matt painter when Edie was a freshman Edie credits matt, uh, shrewsbury as one of his biggest coaching influences so it, it's kind of a it's kind of a nice story um uh, shrewsbury talks about playing purdue as the friendliest rivalry because he's you know part of that uh, it was part of that program uh, some nice storylines in the NCAA tournament, Jim Nance, this is his last Final Four. Uh, he's a Houston graduate. I don't look for Houston to actually advance. Marcus Sasser hurt his groin. Uh, he slipped and fell against Cincinnati. It's an undisclosed length of time that he's going to be out. So if you if you look at the Midwest, I think the Midwest is open. If, te- if Penn State could actually beat Texas, which I don't see them doing, I actually think Texas cruises in the Midwest. Um, some other little things. Uh, one of the things I like pointing out for the NCAA bracket is the odds of picking a perfect bracket. It's one in nine quintillion. Now, if you if you look up on Google what nine quintillion is, it's actually pretty crazy. I was telling the guys in here during the break, 
you, if you counted all the trees in the world and you picked one acorn off one tree and you were given the guess of, of a single acorn, you have a 3 million uh, times better chance of picking that acorn than you do of picking the perfect bracket. So weird stats like that are always kind of fun to talk about. And that's well why he's stat boy. boy. That's right. <laughs> stat boy, right. No, it's just, it's really interesting. The Guys like Warren Buffett offer to give all sorts of money to people that pick a perfect bracket. Frankly, I don't think it will ever happen. It's highly unlikely. And I know we're just about out of time. And you asked us who we like. I always like my Gonzaga Bulldogs, but after put something out to U of A, University of Arizona, I watched them play UCLA. And I know UCLA was beat up, but I don't sleep on Arizona. Who do you have, D? Uh, Gonzaga. I actually have Gonzaga. They, they look really great. I've watched them several times throughout the season. The eyeball test passes. I have Gonzaga versus Bama in the final. There you go. And at least one number 12 seed's going to win, guys. Yes. That always happens. All right, we are going to take a short break, just 30 seconds. Stay with us here on Under Review Sports Talk. Shop local, buy local, save deals. Hi, I'm Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. Boy, for a few guys that don't know much about college basketball, we could have kept going there. I, I won't say that for D, though. My, my goodness. So, uh, D, we were we hardly took a break there at the commercial break. You kept going with your NCAA knowledge, and your upon further review continues that discussion. I, I just think this is really important for Penn State basketball and I'll get you guys' thoughts here in a second, but they need to keep Micah Shrewsbury. This program, what he's done in the past couple of years, he's completely changed the mindset of this program, bringing in guys like Jalen Pickett from Siena, you know, keeping these guys there. He's got Jalen Pickett's going to go play in the NBA. He reminds me a lot of Lamar Stevens when he was there under Pat Chambers. He, what he's doing is something special. All the players respond to him. The guy encourages shooting. He encourages a pro-style offense. I mean, that's something that Penn State has been lacking. He's had two top 30 recruiting classes there as well. His son, Braden, plays for State College. He's a four-star prospect. He's got, right now, he's got a kid named Kerry Booth. He's a 6'10 player. He's the number 75 player in the United States. It's Calvin Booth's son. I was just going to ask that because I was at Penn State when Calvin Booth played. (laughs) That's Calvin Booth's son. He's actually the GM of the Nuggets, by the way. Um, He's got a kid named Logan Imes. Uh, he's the sixth best player in the state of Indiana, and he's four star. And again, he's got his son Braden. He's got he's got the, what he needs there to build a program. Now, Pat Kraft has insisted. Sandy Barber, the former athletic director, really didn't pay pay a lot of attention to the basketball program. Pat Kraft is the exact opposite of that. He actually is insisting on infrastructure and staff. He wants to build, and and frankly, whether you like him or you don't, my buddy Tom Calgren, who really likes Penn State basketball, told me one of the most instrumental figures for keeping Shrewsbury or getting Shrewsbury, excuse me, and and getting the resources that they need to keep a guy like that was James Franklin. He went to Pat Kraft and told him, hey, we need to get this guy. So what are your thoughts about keeping well, Shrewsbury. they clearly need to make a commitment. I mean, you look at and they've made the commitment to the to the football program. 
And I know that's a big moneymaker, but they've made the commitment to the wrestling program with Kale Sanderson, and that's not as big a moneymaker, but look at that. I mean, they're, they're just winning national title after national title. I don't know how you can justify it if you're a major program like Penn State of just kind of sloughing off the men's basketball like they've done for 20 years. You've got this guy. He's he's a re- clearly a very good coach. That he, he, He's got a good rapport with the team, um, and he's a good recruiter, as you've just pointed out. If he is allowed to just take two years and then, you know, we're another stepping stone, that that's an embarrassment to Penn State. They have to keep him. Uh, I don't have much to add to that, but let me ask you guys this. How many Final Fours has Penn State made, the, the basketball team in their I, I want to say one. It, I think it's one. All right, very good. Do you know what the year was? It's in the 50s. 54? Well, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Boy, you guys. You know what? Good. No, I have to confess. I went to that game where they played Rutgers. You went and to that the 54 banner game? Was, no, the, I went to the, the Penn State game where they lost against Rutgers, and that banner was right in front of me. So that's the only reason I remember well, that. You have a photographic memory then. <laughs> very good. All right, uh, Dave, what do you got for us? Well, um, I, it's it's tough to follow a, a killer. Uh, you know, D had a good one there, but I, I did want to bring up. You guys had the baseball rule changes a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't on for that. And I don't. I, we're going to go into that more next week with Greg Brown. Uh, spoiler alert: We're going to have Greg Brown next week, so you want to tune in for that. But it got me thinking about what are the biggest rule changes, and I'm going to say in the last 50 years in every major sport, because baseball constantly freaks out about, oh, we can't change this and we can't change that. It's going to change the whole game. But when you think about other sports, and I'm going to I'm going to give you some examples, and you tell me which one you think is the biggest, some sports have made some massive changes to the way they play. And in, in basketball, the three-point shot was non-existent before, what, I want to say, 82 maybe? Yeah. And the shot clock? I mean, there was a time when you, you could hold the ball as long as you wanted and do the four corners thing, right? The game would be totally different. In football, they moved the field, the, the the uprights. They were on the field on the on the end on right on the goal line. And they moved them off the field, and all the changes they've made to help the offense. You know, you can't. They used to be able to chuck the receiver the whole way down, and you know you couldn't hold. You know, the, the offensive linemen weren't allowed to use their hands. Um, and in hockey, I mean, how many changes have I mean? Changes to the goalie equipment. They took the red line out. Um, you know, uh, the icing rules. You can't. You, you two can't. line offsides. Exactly. So, which one do you think of of all the major sports in the last fifty years? And and obviously, I'm thinking about the pitch clock and things like that in baseball. And we don't know yet what the effect's going to be. But which of those that I mentioned do you think is the biggest, most that effect, changed the way the game is played the most? Well, I'll go first just because I know D's probably going to steal steal my thunder here. I'm thinking the three point line has to be the one. Uh, you know, you change you the game Steph considerably. For right? That. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I would go with that one. But uh, you know, I'm a hockey fan, so any any way they can change the game there, I hated that two line offside. Yeah, that was a dumb rule. Oh, and look how much better down. it is now. You can hit that home run pass and break break the guy in. Yeah, so it's the only sport that wanted to uh, you know do away with excitement. So I, sometimes I get mad because the NHL doesn't, you know, change as quickly as the other sports. <laughs> and baseball is much worse, believe me. <laughs> but so what do you think? Well, one thing, it is nice to see that the rules changes implemented uh, by Major League Baseball are actually working. They've taken effect. The players are starting to adjust. You watch spring training games. You watch post-game interviews. The players, are the pitchers especially, are starting to really figure out the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. The batters are starting to understand that they need to be in the batter's box. So that's a good thing. And stolen bases are up. Which is, which is nice to see as well. For me, I don't know if it's a rules change. I don't know what you'd quantify it as, but just the way the NFL is played, yes, it's a rough game. It's the roughest game there is, but 
to your point, Dave, they allow these guys so much more freedom on offense. They want to encourage offense. They, they don't allow the defense to do the things they used to do. Like when I was a child, you'd watch guys like Ronnie Lott play. Come on, you know, it, it, those players are still out there, but their games would have to be modified in today's game. So I think something like that. And, and again, it speaks volumes to the viewership. Fans want to watch exciting games. They want to watch slugfests regardless of the sport. So if you can increase scoring and increase the level of excitement, I think that's good for any sport regardless of what it is. And you bring up a good point. They have done a lot to protect the, the head, you know, and the concussion mm-hmm. thing. And, and that, that also has been a big change that did affect the way the game's played. I tend to side with Bob. I mean, the th- and it, it's funny. It took a whole generation for the NBA to figure out how good the three-point line was, yeah. you know, because I remember, you know, it was kind of a – frowned upon to shoot that many threes when we were yes. younger and now they figured the math out of it and it's like oh you should shoot threes all the time if you can make a third of them or 40 percent of them so um it, it really did change the way the game is played but there's so many of these things that you don't even really think a whole lot about well uh my last one here is is about the nfl draft i love the draft so uh Bijan robinson he's a big running back from texas they kind of talk about him in the scouting reports as being a mixture between Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and, you know, obviously the talents there, Daniel Jeremiah has him ranked number four on his top 50 list, but we've seen the, um, you know, the devaluing of the running back position, especially in the NFL draft. In fact, today, Ezekiel Elliott was cut. Uh, and we hear that Derrick Henry's being shopped. So just in general, the running back positions being devalued in the NFL so let me ask you guys, do you think that the um, that Bijan Robinson will be a first-round pick and should be a first-round pick in this draft? Um, I think he will be. Um, I believe very much in the concept that I wouldn't – never is a big word, but almost never use a first-round pick on a running back because there just isn't that much – difference i mean and look at harris harris really struggled there for a while and then his line started to open up holes for him and he started to show his potential but i i always look at a running back as the last piece of the puzzle not the first piece I, the giants as much as i love saquon barkley and i do i thought that was a terrible pick for them and really set them back because look how old he is they're just now getting good and what is he 28 i mean that's almost the end of the line for running back yeah and they took him at number two overall. yeah that was a mistake i truly believe that well without a line it doesn't matter i mean you could have barry sanders in today's game it's a lot different that the edge rushers are so much faster they're so much bigger i mean Picking a running back, to me, doesn't really make a lot of sense. When you when you look at someone who can play for a lot longer, a cornerback, a receiver, someone like that, I just don't see a running back, unless there's some sort of transcendent talent, ever really going in the – unless there's a real need for it. But there's options out there in free agency for a lot of these guys. When we played fantasy football, all of us, right – did you ever notice at the end of the year there's a guy that gets hurt, some stud, and then they, they plug some other guy in, and all of a sudden he's doing the same thing as the starter? That's kind of how run, I view running backs anymore. Yeah, take the offensive lineman. Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, and Dalvin Cook, by the way, were all second-round picks. Isaiah Pacheco was a round seven pick, and he was great in the Super Bowl this year. So we're almost out of time, but we got to get lost here in just a, after this break. So stay with us here on Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. Why are doctors so smart? Because they were such good pupils. 
Children with vision problems struggle with academics, socially, and in sports. Dr. Shaw at Main Street Eye Care in Dubois wants your student to go to school with all the right tools, and that includes great vision. Make a comprehensive eye examination a priority this year. It's one of the single most important investments you can make in your child's education and overall health. Schools offer basic vision screenings that often create a false sense of security. Schedule your appointment. Call or log in to MainStreetEyeCare.com. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Well, when you work with Candace Waxler, your Dubois Edward Jones financial advisor, she focuses on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your financial goals. And you can partner long-term to help keep your strategy on track. Contact Candace Waxler today, your Dubois Edward Jones financial advisor, member SIPC. So what seems to be troubling you? I'm suffering from severe anxiety. Chest pains, headaches, breathing problems. No, I'm afraid to drive over Country Road 12 with my bad tires. Ah, a case of rough road anxiety. You need to see a specialist. Who? Cooper Tire. Cooper Tire keeps you driving safely with alignments, inspections, suspensions, and undercar service. Defy that never-ending crater farm on Pennsylvania's roads with Cooper Tire. Now, tell me about your childhood. See the tire pros. Cooper Tire and Auto. Hammer Street, Dubois. Domtar makes products that people in our community and around the world rely on every day. Since 1992, being a part of this great Dubois community is something Domtar, Dubois Converting and Distribution, is proud of. And proud to sponsor the 2023 Junior and Senior Scholastic Challenges at Penn State Dubois. Good luck to all the teams competing from Domtar. Leaders in design, manufacturing, marketing, and distribution of paper and pulp products. Making life better every day. Domtar.com. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. All right, before we get into our uh, Get Lost segment, I just wanted to say to everybody that if you enjoy our show and you want to help us stay on the air, we do need some sponsors, so you can call Lori at Connect FM. We've already got a couple sponsors that we'll be unveiling in the next couple weeks, and we thank them so much for that, but we, we could definitely use some more. So please, local businesses, we'd love to spotlight you. And with that... D, who's going to get lost today? Well, this is my favorite segment. I always laugh. Um, my friend Chris Zaber said, hashtag get lost, Patrick Mahomes' wife and brother. My buddy Tom Calgren said, hashtag get lost, people who don't play hooky from work to watch March Madness. And Tom's brother, Kurt, said, hashtag get lost, not accepting your invitation to a postseason tournament. Hashtag get lost. North Carolina. <laughs> hey, I got a couple too. Fred Terwilliger said, get lost, regional blackouts. And my buddy Tim Her- Herman said, get lost, overpriced parking fees at stadiums. I agree. I'm going to say get lost, grunting in tennis, <laughs> and get lost, streaking at a sporting event. I just don't understand no, that. No, that, yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I, I'm going to say get lost, Angel Hernandez, if you follow baseball. I'm an umpire. I don't like umpires who are really bad at their jobs. And even in the, pre- I've seen some of his strike zones even in the preseason. And he's he's in his normal form. And my uh, my hashtag get lost is hashtag get lost outdated stadium anthems. Get lost. Uh, with that, we're gonna get lost. Have a great week. We'll see you next week, everybody.